0: us pray, O God, whose blessed Son made Himself known to His disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith, that we may behold Him in all His redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. As we are seated, all the children are welcome to go with Mr. Alex to chapel.
1: A reading from Acts. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, The Lord said to him in a vision, "Ananias," he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Taurus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision that a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name." So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. God. The psalm for today is Psalm 30, and we will read responsively by half verse. I will exalt you, O Lord, because you have lifted me up.
2: And, and not left left my enemies strife. Strife.
1: O Lord my God I cried out to you and you restored me to health you brought me up O Lord from the dead you restored my life as I was going down to the grave sing to the Lord you faithful servants
3: give thanks for the of
2: God's holiness
1: for God's wrath endures but the twinkling of an eye God is here for a lifetime weeping may spend the night
3: but joy comes in the morning.
1: While I felt secure, I said, I shall never be disturbed. with you, your favor,
3: make me as strong as the
1: Then you hid your face.
3: And I was filled with fear.
1: What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my wailing into dancing.
3: You have put off
2: my sackcloth and clothed me with
1: joy. Therefore, my heart sings to you without ceasing. O Lord, my
3: God, I will give you
1: thanks forever. I cried to you, O Lord. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the praise you or declare your Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my wailing into dancing.
2: You have put off my sackcloth and blowed me with joy.
1: Therefore my heart sings to you without ceasing.
3: O Lord.
4: A reading from Revelation. I looked and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with full voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor, and glory, and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them singing. To the one seated on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
0: Gospel of Our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John.
3: Glory be to thee, Lord Christ.
0: Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. He showed Himself in this way. Gathered there together were Peter, Simon Peter, Thomas called the Twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of His disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "'It is the Lord.' When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore... "'They saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. "'Jesus said to them, "'Bring some of the fish that you have just caught.' "'So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore "'full of large fish, 153 of them. "'And though there were so many, the net was not torn. "'Jesus said to them, "'Come and have breakfast.' "'Now none of the disciples dared to ask Him, "'Who are you?' "'Because they knew it was the Lord.' Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me. The gospel of the Lord
3: Praise be to thee, Lord Christ.
0: not going to preach to you about fishing and how 153 fish was exactly the number of known languages in the world and this meant that they were supposed to go into the whole world and all of that kind of thing. I'm not going to talk to you about that. I'm not going to talk to you about Paul breathing threats against Israel and Ananias and all of that kind of thing. No, I'm going to talk about love. We are a culture that is in love with being in love. Now, I I say that in an exaggerated way, and you understand what I'm talking about. I did a wedding uh, a week ago yesterday, and I tell you, this was a deal. It was a monument to love. And I don't want to make fun of it, but uh, sometimes I think we lose sight of what love is and how love is supposed to guide our lives. Clearly the kind of love that we were celebrating at 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 that wedding was different from the kind of love that Jesus was asking Simon Peter about. So I'm going to talk to you a little about love. See, the thing is, I still read the Scriptures in Greek sometimes. And I noticed something uh, this week that that absolutely jumped off the page at me. And that is that our concept of love, our concepts of love, there are, are several of them, get mingled together... Because we only have one word, you know the, the Greeks have several words for different kinds of love, and the, uh, in English and we translate all of them love, or at least the people in 1611 did when they translated the Bible. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit, and just bear with me if you don't speak Greek. <laughs> it's all Greek to me. One of the kinds, I'm going to talk to you about three kinds of love. There are others that the Greeks have, but I'm going to talk to you about three of them. One is eros. That's a a noun, and it's it's the, the, uh, uh, the place where we get words like erotic. And it does mean physical love, but it means something else, because it is a kind of love that God has for people, believe it or not. You remember... When, um, when God made the human being and put the one human being in the garden, and then uh, a, a couple of days went by, and the one human being had a problem. You remember what that was? He was lonely, right. And so God said, It is not good for the Ha'adam, which means human being, to be lonely. He didn't say ish. Which, is, which would be man, he said, Adam, the human being. It's not good for the human being to be lonely. And so, you remember what God's first idea was? If you don't think God has a learning curve, just read this story again. God's first idea was to run all the animals by that had already been created. Run all the animals by. So, here came the aardvark, and here came the antelope, and, and when they got to zebra... There was not an appropriate uh, lonely killing animal found. And so God separated the two natures of the human being. Remember God caused a great sleep to fall over the human being. And while the human being was asleep God separated maleness from femaleness. And when that happened then the now man looked at the now woman and said this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one is like me but is not me. This is a first for for this man. She is like me but she's not me. And so eros is a kind of love that longs for, and it's down inside of our DNA, it longs for the reunification of that which has been separated. As I said, it's a kind of love that God has for the people. God longs to be with us again. God longs to smoke and joke and walk in the cool of the night, of of the evening in the garden with, with you and me. The second kind of love is called philo or philea is the noun verb, the the noun form. Uh, Philo is a verb and philea is the noun. And philea means a love of fellow creature. Uh, You may know that it's, uh, it's the root word where Philadelphia comes from. Philo, adelphos brother love. I love less. I love him because he is my brother and I know him and all that kind of stuff. But it's not, it is not confined to my love of other human beings like I love you. Philo is, means I love the things that were created because I am a fellow creature. It's the love that we are supposed to exhibit for the Mother Earth, the one who bears us, the one who who supports us, the one who gives her life for us. It's the kind of love that you and I have for fellow creatures. It's the kind of love that makes your heart hurt when you're driving up toward the hill country and you see a deer that's been hit by a truck. And you say, "Oh man, that wasn't supposed to happen." It's the kind of love that makes you, that makes you kind of cringe when you see the rainforests being mown down at a rate of a thousand acres a day, in order to make room for another highway or a shopping mall. Philia is the kind of love that we have for each other, for the creation. And for all of the parts of the world that we enjoy. Philea might be the kind of love that you have for St. Thomas Church. Not just for all the people here. Although the people are what make the church. It's not the building. But you may have a special feeling for this building. I do. That's okay. I have a special feeling. This is a sacred space. This is a place where I meet God. This is a place where God Deigns to meet me. Philea, philo. The third kind of love that I'm going to talk about is different from the other two. It is named agapo, or agape is the noun verb, is the noun form. Why do I keep saying noun verb? The noun form is agape. Agapo, or agapo means I love and it but it's a different kind of love from the other two. You see, we have a natural affinity for each other. We do. I mean I, I look at Ned and and he you know he's handsome, I'm handsome, he's he's got a beard, I got a beard, you know, we have a natural affinity for one another. And I love him because we have this natural affinity. But it just kind of comes out when I see him or when I see you it just kinda comes out and and when I see my wife I don't have to work at at what kind of feeling I have for her either you see those things just kinda come out agapo is not like that it's not a love that you can fall into you can't agapo is the kind of love That you have to work on. It doesn't come from here. It doesn't come from your body. It comes from your brain and only from your brain. This kind of love is a decision and you have to make it in order to experience it. It's the kind of love that God has for the people, and that God wishes the people had for God. It's the kind of love that says that every fiber of my being, from top to bottom, from first to last, right to left, everything is devoted to the object of this kind of love. It's the kind of love that I ask people when I stand in front of a man and a woman and I say, Will you have this man to be your husband? Will you have this woman to be your wife? And they answer, I will. They don't answer, I do. They answer, I will. And that does not mean I'm going to sometime in the future, which is what I will sometimes means. What they mean is, This is my will. Mi voluntad. This is from which we get the word voluntary. This is what I do, having thought of all of the options, having considered everything else that possible that's possible, this is what I have decided. Love is a decision. This kind of love. It's a decision that we must make. Sometimes we must make it every day. This agapo love is all about who I am, what I was created to be, and how I have decided to live my life. That's why when I marry my wife, I say, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life because I've decided to change my life from what it was when I was single to what it is now that I'm married. I have decided to change my life. (coughs) Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Agapas me? And Simon, the son of John, says, naikurie, yes, Lord. Philo, say. He didn't answer the question that was asked, did he? Agapas me? Yes, Philo you see the difference between what jesus was asking and what peter was willing to do how far peter was willing to go jesus says feed my lambs a second time jesus says to simon peter simon son of john agapas me And Simon Simon says, Yes, Lord, Philo say. Jesus answers, Tend my sheep. Jesus is nothing if not realistic. Jesus understands who you are, and Jesus understands who I am. And for better or worse, Jesus continues to ask this question of you and me. Agapasme? And on my better days, I say, yes, Lord, Philose. I confess to you. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus says a third time to Simon Peter, and this is where the Greek comes in, simon son of john philas may and simon says yes lord philo say jesus knows who you are and jesus knows who i am and jesus sometimes says if what you can muster for me Is the kind of love that you have for each other That's got to be good enough Because you know what You are good enough Jesus hopes maybe for one thing But he gets something else And that's good enough Someone said once Jesus loves you right exactly where you are But Jesus loves you way too much to leave you there You get that? I get it. Jesus loves you right where you are with all the warts and all of the mistakes and all of that. But Jesus loves you far too much to leave you there. I don't know of very many people throughout all of history who get this agape kind of love. But Paul was one of them according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures Paul was one of them. You see, our reading today from Acts starts off with Paul breathing threats. God, that's strong language right there. Paul breathing threats against the faithful of the church, arresting men and women, and having them thrown in jail just for invoking God's name. And then this thing happened. Paul is is riding along on the road to Damascus and a great light flashes and he falls on the ground and this voice says, Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, Lord I don't know who you are, I can't even see you. And Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And Paul was so profoundly converted at that moment, that's why we call it the Damascus Road experience. He was so profoundly converted at that very moment that when he finally received his sight three days later from Ananias, or from God through Ananias, he immediately started telling the entire world that Jesus was the Son of God. Wait a minute in today's political world, he'd be called a flip-flopper. You know what I mean? He went from being all the way on that end to being all the way on that end. I mean all the way. He gave everything he had, every fiber of his being, every cell in his body, all of his self to God and and to Jesus Christ who is God's Son? If you have doubt about that, you may come and see me if you want, and I hope I will be able to allay those doubts. Because Paul gave to us a wonderful example of what it means to have this agape kind of love for Jesus. If Jesus had said, Paul, agapas me. Paul would have fallen on the ground eventually after the conversion. He would have fallen on the ground and said, Yes, Lord, a capote. Paul's conversion was more profound than anything I have ever heard or read about. And Paul got it. Peter didn't. That's okay. Peter was, you know... I'm not very much like St. Paul. I'm an awful lot like St. Peter. Maybe I'm not the only one in the room. Here's the thing. There's the goal. And there's where we are. And there's probably distance between those two. In case you're wondering... God is not disappointed in you. You know, and I know, that there is clearly more that that we can do in God's name, in the service of God, in the service of other people to get from where we are to where we're supposed to be. You know that, and I know that, and God knows that. God is not disappointed in you. God has hopes and dreams for the person that God made you to be. And we spend our lives living into that vision, don't we? We spend our lives living into the vision that God has for us. That's what life is all about for you and me, for people who who proclaim that God became a human being so that we could know that divinity is among us and that humanity is divine. That's That's why the Jesus event even happened. When Jesus asked Simon about this love that Simon has, Peter answered him, Philo, say. That's okay. That's okay. Jesus realized that was okay. Because you see, the answers that he gave to the three responses. First was, feed my lambs. Now this is a kind of a dominion sort of a thing, isn't it? It's a kind of a oversee. You, Simon, if you can agape me... You can be an overseer for these little ones, some of whom can't tell their right hand from their left, and who are trying to make their way in the world. You can be the one to feed them on my behalf. And when he asked him a second time, and Peter said, Philose? Jesus said, Tend my sheep. You can be the shepherd of my sheep if you will devote everything you've got, every fiber to me and to serving the world in my name. Finally, when Jesus asked him, Philos me? And Peter says, Philose? Jesus says, Feed my sheep. Be among them like one of them. I get it. I get it. You're not Superman, Peter. You're not Superman. You're not Superwoman, Kathy. You're not Superman, Joseph. You're not Superwoman, Naomi. You're not. I get it. So feed my sheep, your brothers and your sisters, your fellow sheep in my name. And that is good enough. In fact, that's all I ask you to do. All I ask you to do is take care of the creation like it was your home because that's what it is. Domicile, have dominion comes from the same root word as domicile, which means a household. We're supposed to treat the world like a household. And we are all inhabitants of it. It's okay, says Jesus. It's all right. Just feed your fellow sheep in my name. If you do that, I'll make up all.
5: The prayers of the people in peace, we pray to you, Lord God, for all people in their daily life and work,
3: for our families, friends and neighbors, for those, and those who are
5: for this community, the nation, for the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia, and for the world. For St. Thomas the Apostle School.
3: For those who teach and those who learn, that they may rejoice in the knowledge of your truth.
5: For the just and proper use of your creation.
3: For the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression.
5: For all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. for the peace and unity of the Church of God. For all who proclaim the gospel, and all who seek the truth. For all bishops, priests, and deacons, for the priest in our community, Mike, Jim, Craig, Bill, and Lillian, for our seminarian, Eric, for Andy, Hector, Jeff, and Kay, our bishops, in the Diocesan cycle of prayer, St. Luke the Evangelist, Houston, St. Mark's, Houston, Trinity, Baytown, and Trinity, Houston, and for Michael, our presiding bishop.
2: For all who serve God
3: in his church.
5: For the special needs and concerns of this congregation, especially Chris, Ken, Nancy, Amber, Christine, Patrick, Barbara, Jan, Austin, Rachel, Marilyn, Lee, and those the congregation wishes to name at this time, silently or aloud. Hear us, Lord. For your is great. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O God our King.
3: Amen.
5: We pray for all who have died, especially Deborah and Chris, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them.
0: God, we ask you to hear the prayers of your people and what we have asked faithfully, we ask that we obtain effectually. For you are gracious to us, O God, and to you we give thanks, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Will you stand, please? The peace of the Lord be always with you.
2: And with thy spirit.
0: Peace be with you, my dear. God's peace be with you. Peace, Doug. God's peace, Joseph. seated please this is the first Sunday of May and so according to our tradition anybody who has a birthday in May is welcome to come forward at this time well nobody got any older I like this place oh no come on up if this is a place where you don't get older oh there's one in the choir too all right Mickey, has a, go, turn around where people can see it. Okay. Oh, goodness gracious. What are we, wallflowers here? Benjamin has a birthday. Okay, so here's the drill. Uh, tell me what uh, your name and, uh, and what day your birthday is. And you can either tell us where you were born or what year you were born or whatever.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Ben Mater. I was born on May 11th, 2000, in Naga City, in the Philippines.
3: And I'm Liz
5: Corley. I was born on May 16th, in Victoria, Texas. Victoria.
1: Meredith Levine. I was born May 29th, 1977,
5: in Beaumont, Texas. Mickey Rosinski. I was born in 1938 in South Bend,
0: Indiana. South Bend, all right.
4: Kay Cloutier. May 24th, here in Illinois.
0: Hi, I'm Bob Triple, May 18th, um, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Beth, who is not here today, my wife Beth, uh, was born May 7th uh, of uh, 2002, no, <laughs> 1951. And she was born in uh, New York, in Brooklyn. Let us pray. God, we lift up to you these whose birthdays are this month, thanking you for the year past that they have come through in your grace and with your blessing. We ask you, Lord, to bless them in the year ahead with strength and resolve to serve you by serving your children. May their roads rise meet their feet and may their way be shown by you for we ask this in Christ's name amen Amen. congratulations happy birthday to you Um, Second announcement, this being the first part of the month, uh, our food distribution in coordination with the uh, uh, Galveston Food Bank will be this Saturday. Uh, We do this every month. This Saturday at 7.45, please come to the church parking lot. Uh, You don't have to sign up. Just show up. We're always done by 9.30, and in that time between 7.45 and 9.30, we feed about 400 people. Now that's, I don't know if that's agape, but that's a heck of a lot of good phileo, you know? It really is. So we we look forward to all of you uh, being there on Saturday. Um, Thank you all for wearing your name tags. This is a great blessing for me. Um, It may be a blessing for other people in the room. I mean, you probably know somebody in the room whose face you recognize, but you can't remember what her name is, you know what I mean? So, it helps everybody. Uh, her Is Herb here? He was at early No. He was here at the early service. And what he said at the early service was, uh, he was first of all introducing himself, and what he said was, there's coffee, yay! We're glad that there's coffee, and eventually there will be donuts, and it's just going to be wonderful. Now, I have, according to the canon of the church, I am to read you something. dated the second sunday of easter april 24th 2022 a pastoral letter to the episcopal diocese of texas from the right reverend c andrew doyle therefore if anyone is in christ they are a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come second corinthians In the fall of 2021, Bishop Scott Mayer, provisional bishop of the Episcopal Church in North Texas, called together a discernment group of clergy and lay leaders to begin the process of identifying and evaluating options for the future of the Episcopal Church in the 23 counties that make up that region. This group eventually concluded that exploring a relationship with the Episcopal Diocese of Texas made sense. As an aside, the area that we're talking about is what used to be known as the Episcopal Diocese of Fort Worth. I, along with the leadership of Episcopal Diocese of Texas, grieved in 2008 when Bishop Jack Eicher led 62 parishes out of the Episcopal Church. We immediately reached out to the church in North Texas, then called Fort Worth, and we have been a friend and ally of the remaining and missionary-minded group of Episcopalians in North Texas as they rebuilt. We invited their clergy to our clergy conferences, we opened Camp Allen to them, and we offered startup funds and other financial supports as they needed. When Bishop Mayer contacted me with the emerging thoughts regarding the special committee's discernment, I immediately told him We are family. We love you and we are delighted to explore this with you. In January of this year, the discernment group in North Texas sent a recommendation to their standing committee that the Episcopal Church in North Texas reunite with the Episcopal Diocese of Texas. Next, I spoke to our standing committee at our regular meeting and then to the executive board in a private session. And I was assured of their support to continue the conversation. Earlier this month, that is in, earlier in April, attorneys for the Episcopal Church and our diocese and our dioceses signaled that though litigation with the Anglican Church in North America is not concluded, sufficient progress has been made to allow discernment to continue. In the interim, I have worked with our Chancellor, David Harvin, to ensure progress, both legally and canonically. We have worked with the wider leadership of the Episcopal Church. I have worked with Bishop Mayer. Our communications people are collaborating, and I am in consultation with our bishops, clergy, and lay leadership of the Diocese of Texas. On Good Friday, in agreement with our chancellors, Bishop Mayer and I agreed we were ready to further engage in conversation with our respective diocesan leadership regarding potential reunification. This week, our standing committee responded along with our executive board that we pursue reunification with the Episcopal Church in North Texas. This past Wednesday, I met with 276 clergy by Zoom in two meetings, and I also met with representatives of some of the foundations all asked similar questions and were very supportive of the movement forward. I was, by the way, part of that meeting. The Episcopal Diocese of Texas and leaders recognize that this is an amazing opportunity to model Christian love. We believe that the Episcopal Church in North Texas must continue to discern new ways of regionalizing, sharing assets, and strategizing for mission in order to face the realities of a new mission era. The Episcopal Church in North Texas brings great gifts to the table in this regard. We are being welcomed into the region of North Texas as partners with the mutual goal of sharing the message of God's unconditional love in 23 counties in North Texas. What a beautiful gift from God for both regions. After reunion, the Episcopal Church in North Texas will become a region slash convocation of the Episcopal Diocese of Texas with an office, a regional bishop, and a staff. Bishop Mayer will continue to serve as bishop of the North Texas region with his title changing from bishop provisional to assisting bishop of Texas. I will be asking our council to affirm this appointment at the reunion session of our 173rd Diocesan Council. Bishop Mayer will remain as Bishop Diocesan in the Diocese of Northwest Texas. This will be how we will lead regionally while also engaging reunion. Over the past 13 years, the Episcopal Church in North Texas has forged an identity of creativity and innovation and sacrificial service all while standing for full inclusion. God loves everyone. We are being welcomed gratefully and gladly into a region that shares our values. If we approach our diocesan decisions with an eye toward scarcity, we will focus on money. If we focus, however, upon God's abundant love and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will discern with greater clarity. We recognize that Christ invites us to be kin. We are invited to live a life of brother and sisterhood with one another. Our kin have asked us to join them in North Texas and to see what God is doing and how we might share in God's mission there. How could we reject such an amazing invitation? Bishop Mayer has put together a group of individuals to work on the reunification. Likewise, we are doing the same. Our chancellor is working with theirs to create a reunification agreement. This will be presented to our elected leadership, standing committee, and the executive board for agreement in advance of the reunion session of our diocesan council. On April 29th, Bishop Mayer will meet with the clergy and people of small congregations in the region. I and other leaders from the Episcopal Diocese of Texas will meet on May 4th and 5th with leaders in North Texas. Our plan is to create a frequently asked questions document in advance of the council meeting and send that out to the parishes. We will also have a couple of Zoom meetings to answer questions much like a pre-council meeting. Once the legalities of reunion have been resolved to the satisfaction of both regions, We will hold a third session of the Diocesan Council to vote on reunion. The the Episcopal Church in North Texas Diocesan Convention will also meet to vote on reunion. Once both regions have agreed, then the decision to reunite must be affirmed by a majority of the bishops and standing committees of the Episcopal Church. It will also take most of the year to continue, most of the rest of this year to continue the process of reunification. What can you do? First, pray for me, for Bishop Mayer, the clergy and the lay leaders of our two regions. The decisions being made will shape the future of the Episcopal Church in this part of the country. Second, reflect on your own experience in this diocese of mission. Mourn with our brothers and sisters in North Texas what has been lost and let us celebrate all that has flourished despite adversity. Invite God to prepare our hearts for what comes next. And third, share your thoughts with your clergy and your convention delegates. I am so proud and grateful for the bishops of the Episcopal Church in North Texas and now Bishop Mayor. I am grateful for the people of North Texas for they exhibit to the whole church unconditional love, courage in the face of grief and loss, and resilience founded in a deep faith. They are a gift to the whole church. I am excited to embrace our kin and to join with them in God's mission of evangelism and service in North Texas. God has a, place, has a way of placing us where we belong. And I am grateful that we have travelled full circle and may soon be back together again. As we move forward toward a new future together we are unified by the love of Christ Jesus who prayed for us that we all may be one and we are thankful for this reunion. We are given in our unity as Episcopalians and Anglicans a blessing of baptism which shows resurrection comes from death and the ministry of the gospel comes from the Holy Spirit. Renew us now, for you have prepared us for the coming of the Holy Spirit through your word and sacraments. O God of unchangeable power and eternal light, look favorably on your whole church, that wonderful and sacred mystery. By the effectual working of your providence, carry out in tranquility the plan of salvation. Let the whole world See and know that things which were, had grown, things that had been, were being cast down are being raised up, and things which had grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to their perfection by Him through whom all things were made, your Son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In Christ's most holy name, see Andrew Doyle, 9th Bishop of Texas. Now walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. <laughs> This is the table, not of the church, but of Jesus Christ. It is made ready for those who love Him and those who want to love Him more. So come, you who have Have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time or ever before, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come not because the church invites you, it is Christ Himself, and He invites you to meet Him here. The Lord be with you. And also my spirit. Lift up your heart. and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to You, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. But chiefly are we bound to praise Thee for the glorious resurrection of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. For He is the very Paschal Lamb who was sacrificed for us and hath taken away the sin of the world, who by His death hath destroyed death, and by His rising to life again hath won for us everlasting life. Thanks to you, O God, for the goodness and love which you have made known to us in creation, in the crawling of Israel to be your people, in your word spoken through the prophets, and above all in the word made flesh, Jesus your Son. For in these last days you sent him to be incarnate from the Virgin Mary, to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. In him you have delivered us from evil and made us worthy to stand before you. In him you have brought us out of error into truth, After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for all for the remission of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, according to his command, O Father, we remember his death, In the fullness of time put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us to that heavenly country where with Deborah and Chris, blessed Thomas and all your saints we may enter the everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church and the author of our salvation, by Him and with Him and, and in Him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses of God for the people of God. Let us pray together. Loving God, we give you thanks for restoring us in your image and nourishing us with spiritual food in the sacrament of Christ's body and blood. Now send us forth a people forgiven, healed, renewed, that we may proclaim your love to the world and continue the risen life of Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in God's sight. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.